Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> It was, I woke up with really weird dreams, like mm. friends from the past. I had intense dreams last night, too. Really? Were they good or, like, were they supportive or? I, like, went back to being a little girl and visited this house that I've had a dream about many times, but probably not for about 15 years. And I was like, oh my God, the house. You know, and I very much felt like not alone in my room. So I was just like, I think I need to work through some things. And I like, I have constant like neck tension from painting so much. So I was like, just kind of like getting into my body and seeing if anything wanted to be released. Did you find anything that wanted to be released? Um... One thing that keeps coming up for me is I was deaf the first three years of my life and I never thought about it until like a couple of years ago. And so whatever like trauma happened in my ears is like either in the womb or immediately upon like entering the world, that's never been even considered. So I'm trying to like let that have space. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of it was like around my ears and stuff like that. Did they operate for you to get your hearing back? Well, I had constant ear infections, so I didn't hear anything, and I didn't start talking until I was like three and a half. Um, but I also think that because of that, I was just an observer, and that may be tied in with like why I'm so visual and an artist today. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> Anyways, dreams. Yes. Yeah, mine was um, friends that aren't together anymore. Like, they divorced. They have kids. So, but they were, mm-hmm. they were, had a party. But it was just like six people. And then there were kids because we all have kids. And, um, and I felt really out of place, you know, that sort of like mm. not fitting in. Like awkward social. Awkward social stuff. What stuff, yeah, yeah. So it was restless sleep or like deep sleep full of dreams? I think it was deep sleep full of dreams and waking up with that mm-hmm. energy of awkwardness, not fitting mm-hmm. in, yeah. And, and like you just said, like, okay, there's some stuff to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Here with Nora, and is your last name pronounced Brun? Brun. Brun. Mm-hmm. And we're strangers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so I am really interested in how you have created... Well, it, a career, but it, how you have supported your life as an artist. How have, like, you've done that, right? Yes. I have been painting full-time for three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, you want me to, like, backtrack and tell you the tale of how I got here? Yes. Okay, so um, I studied biology in college, 
and then moved out here for grad school to study environmental management because I was fiercely passionate about saving the planet and this and that. Um, and after being in grad school for maybe two weeks, I was like, wait, $40,000? Like, that seems insane that education is so pricey. And I didn't really consider that, like, signing off on my loans. And then all the whole, like, the education system being this perfect little path for people to be on just sort of crumbled and I dropped out and then I was here in SF because that's where my grad school was and kind of confused and unsure but also feeling very free you know I had been in school for what 13 years um and yeah I fell in love with street art because I am from the midwest so street art isn't as big of a thing there especially in smaller towns um so yeah I was just like cruising around the city in the mission in particular and just yeah had an aha like this is what I want to do moment and I had taken some art classes in high school and loved it um my high school art teacher was really encouraging but I went down like the science path and yeah at that point I just threw myself like completely into art within a year I was like curating teaching art painting my first mural um working under um, a more established artist named Thomasina DeMaio helping her do some murals and it was just like a huge bush um so that was only six years ago that that happened um but yeah I'm just I'm completely obsessed with art <laughs> and and it looks like you've got a solid foundation like because mm-hmm. livelihood seems like such a challenge yeah. for an artist yeah I kind of broke it down into three different categories where I knew first you have to be a good artist, you know? I I don't have some huge flamboyant personality where I can just, like, make mediocre things and then sell them. Like, that's not the kind of art I want to do anyways. So I spent the first couple years really just trying to nail down technique and spending tons of time observing and also having no attachment to having a style. You know, I know that that comes through experience and so I just tried everything um and then after that I knew that I needed to consider the business side of it and how to work with clients and how to like a client wants something from me that is inside of their brain and I have to like unlock that and then also make it bring it into the physical so working with clients the first two years that I started doing this full-time I just took I said yes to every single job and just worked on the interpersonal stuff which I love like I'm an artist who's a like a people person I want to be painting with other people all of the time like trapping myself in my room and then coming out with some beautiful painting is not like who I am at all um 
so that I think that there is a stereotype that artists aren't social and therefore like can't have like you can only have one or the other you can only make beautiful things or like be business minded and I don't think that that is true at all um and then what's the last part oh the last part is just um developing my own style and my own signature and figuring out what I want to say um, and having more direction and more push on my vision rather than just other people's visions. Yeah. It seems that energy is an important part of your art that I've seen mm-hmm. and that ethereal aspect of energy. Mm-hmm. Is that real? For sure. Um, I mean, the first few murals that I ever painted that were just like, knocking on people's doors and being like, hi, I'm Nora, can I please paint something for you? Um, Wow. It was... (laughs) I even, like, made a whole portfolio for my first mural. I was like, this woman's going to want to see what I've done. She didn't even look at it. She was like, I don't care, whatever, like, scram. And so, yeah, it was really easy, actually. Um, I think you just have to go into it with the idea that people are going to say yes and that just like be nice you know uh anyways energy yeah i mean that's everything i don't even know like what to say um of course (laughs) i mean yeah life is just so beautiful and at the base of all that beauty that i'm feel just so delighted to experience is this like life force and how do you depict something that's like doesn't want to be depicted you know like putting your finger on it it makes it disappear almost so that almost makes me want to okay I don't want to say this but I'm going to say this (laughs) it makes me want to leave the visual arts and not leave make space for other stuff because I feel limited sometimes by paint and painting um yeah so are you thinking of doing performance type art installations and then also like curated social um not experiments but exchanges you know I'm forgetting the term, and I forget the woman's name, but the artist where she sat, I think it Mm. was in the movie. Ambravovich. Yeah, and people just sat across Mm -hmm. from her. Yeah, she's a huge inspiration for me. Yeah, she's pretty powerful. Yeah, she makes you feel things, you know. There are many ways. I want to make people feel things, and I think there's a lot of ways to do it, and I'm just exploring one avenue. Do you think there's any necessity to also putting concentration on the shadow energy and dark energy? Mm, yeah, I love. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> totally. Um, <laughs> how do I even explain it? 
Okay, there is this tarot card that I pulled over and over and over and over again for like two years. It was just annoying at like one point, you know? And it was this little like helpless mouth or mouse that was like looking up and there was a giant monster with its like head and sharp teeth like around the mouse's head. Like it's surely going to die. And that's kind of how I feel about shadow energy. It's like, if you just look at it, it's like really not that bad. It's it's our mind that makes it so much scarier and intense. But really, just like, going there is exciting, you know? And deeply healing. And um, I think a lot of the problems that we're having is like not looking at our shadows, you know, as a collective. Right. Uh-huh. Do you believe we are responsible for our own emotions and thoughts. So in essence, when you feel anger, whatever you've projected as the cause of the anger is not real. It's... Mm-hmm. If we were all brought up from infancy in a safe enough environment and taught how to um recognize these things yes we're all responsible but like there's so much trauma that has to be waded through before we get to that point and like a huge consideration like what we are teaching our kids um that for right now i don't blame some people for the emotions that they feel but it's never too late to learn or change so yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's hard. Were your parents um, both involved with your growing up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents. I'm one of five, and we grew up, like, out in the woods on a hobby farm. And my parents were married for 40 years. They did get divorced once all the kids were out of the house. But, yeah, I never saw them fight, ever. They never, like raised their voices to each other in my whole entire growing up experience and that is huge you know um that's I applaud them for maintaining that level of like peace in the house did it surprise you then when they got divorced having never seen any no by the time so it wasn't like I had never seen anything because they got divorced when I was like 24 so once I was an adult they communicated some of their issues with me more so they're more open about it but like 18 and under nothing but yeah Mm -hmm. and they're just different people which I could recognize um what did they give you that has supported your being brave to just uh, I'm gonna be an artist Mm. um they're very judgment-free while also instilling good, like, wholesome values. Um, they let me be my own person, definitely, all growing up. And my mom and I are super similar, and I feel like I'm kind of living the life that she didn't necessarily have the opportunity to live, so she's very supportive and my dad was just like, 
So my dad took over my grandfather's company and they did industrial size sandblasting and painting, which I'm like, oh, I'm a muralist. It's like <laughs> kind of similar, but he just like worked like a dog, which I don't think is the best, but also it really like he would make us mow the lawn and like do chores and we, you have to like put in the physical effort to make things happen. You can't just sit and think about it, you know? Right. So sort of that balance of like my mom being very sweet and like nurturing and my dad being like more hard but still loving was good. Cool. Mm -hmm. When you say street art, are you referring to graffiti also? I would put that in the same category, but I don't do graffiti. Yeah. Do you have a respect for it as an art form? 100%. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely some, like, hood rat stuff with, like, with graffiti where, you know, I think there's more vandalism and stuff like that. But, I don't know. I, I'm okay with it. But you've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I the hoof. <laughs> little bit but as far as like when I think of graffiti I definitely think of like letter writing I have not gotten into that like stylized sort of blasting your name all over the place right. sort of thing I've like made some stencils and fun little things here and there like a Banksy style a little bit yeah did you see his latest thing he did in the subway car mm -hmm. what do you think of that super clever and fun and I'm just like how did how it's amazing. Do you ever wonder if it's staged? Like, did you know? No, I don't. Because okay. I would demystify it and, like, ruin the <laughs> fantasy that I have. And I'd, like, I'd rather just not know. <laughs> don't you think that's kind of that dark edge, though, of wanting to hold a fantasy and it's not real, like, it on the other side? It's mm -hmm. like, oh. Uh, mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how have you worked that shadow into your own artwork? Because when I see your art, it does, to me, communicate that vibrancy and uplifting yeah, energy. For sure. Um, when I... Well, most recently I've been painting a lot of florals set on a dark backdrop and when I think of I feel like I might have to like define dark energy a little bit because I think about death a lot and like I kind of think that what we're going through right now as Americans or the whole world is like a death ritual you know like some things need to pass and the circle of life where it's death, life, death again, death from life, life from death. Um, we have just such fear about the mystery. And, um, yeah, that I like to sink into more. And I also think that you have to 
show the darkness to see the light, of course, so cliche, but so true. Um, and I take it like more literally, like I actually like to depict things in like dark shadowy lighting because one thing that I'm observing a lot is that color is really relative. You know, I might be like that plant's green, but at 8 PM it's definitely gray. Right. And so yeah, that. Well, just identifying something as one thing, but every single day seeing that it's actually like not always that is interesting and like holding that. Um, yeah, so I don't even remember what your question was. Well, about <laughs> oh, how you're working dark mm, energy into mm -hmm. your work, right? Yeah, um. I think that's something I'm going to be doing more of. I think a lot of my stuff has been really vibrant and happy for sure. And I think that I'm sort of on this edge of being ready to, to pick the shadow a bit more, but also depicting it in a beautiful way that, so it's not so scary. You know, I definitely have this vision of, painting altars, you know, so in ceremony with just myself or with other people, I see these scenes where it's all this dimly lit, like the sage is going, there's just like a little, a little ember and smoke and, you know, altars with flowers and crystals and just how all that is captured in minimal lighting just like a total witchy scene. I really, really want to paint that. I've been thinking about that forever, actually. Oh. And then Paint the Void happened, and I just got totally sidetracked. But I have a wall that, like, the intention is to paint some scenes like that. Where's the wall? Uh, Cava Lounge oh, in San Francisco. It's Divisadero and, like, okay. Geary. Okay. Yeah. I, you mentioned you brought up paint the void, but I want to before we go there. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned how you're thinking also branching out from painting as your main creative mm -hmm. medium, mm -hmm. and what you described sounds like it could be a very staged scene. Mm -hmm. Like the you, the altar scene, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you like? Are you cons what mediums are you considering moving into? Mm. Um, well, installation, but also holding more sort of sacred spaces for people to be in, which I don't know if that falls under the umbrella of art, but it falls under the umbrella of my life. And, like, what will also feed my art. Um, I went to... There's this woman named Bronte Velez, who's an activist and poet and has really influenced me a lot. She's based out of Oakland. She has this nonprofit called Lead to Life, where they melt uh, guns down, and then they transform them into shovels, and then they'll do, like, tree plantings 
on like huge mass murder sites, you know, and she led, well, led to life, led a public ceremony where these family members of uh, like police brutality victims came and it was like the whole setting the altar, you know, holding space burning the plants, shamans, the whole thing. And it was in, like, downtown Oakland. And it was beautiful. And she really advocates for, like, public grieving and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm super interested. I'm right there. Yeah. Sounds very powerful. It was, yeah. yeah. All right, so paint the void. Yeah. Um... Did Paint the Void come out of this um, pandemic? Or what did yeah. it exist before that? Um, Building 180, which is the nonprofit that started the Paint the Void project, they existed. Uh, but Paint the Void is an effort to paint all the boarded up buildings and to give artists a platform while beautifying the city and... Yeah, just bringing something positive into the world. Because people were pretty devastated to be like, my favorite coffee shop is boarded up. Will they ever come back, you know? So to just, like, sprinkle something pretty on it eases the pain a little bit. Did Paint the Void approach you? Did they contact you? No. So I was hanging out with my friend Max Ehrman, who's also a muralist, and we were painting a palette gallery. And he was like, hey, my friend Shannon is like trying to get artists to paint boarded up buildings. Are you interested? And at first I was like, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, well, whatever, come on. And so I went and it ended up being like the best thing I've done in a long time like the the amount of stuff that has come from that is just unreal and the fact that i was like i don't know <laughs> so what do you think of that what just that the fact- element of life that you know like oh you're about to blow off this thing yeah. that's totally gonna open up your life say yes just say yes <laughs> <laughs> but how do you know discernment because there's an element ah, right that's true i don't know like step into like I always think of myself as a child and a mother and like mother Nora is like come on you have some free time like go ahead and do this fun thing um and then child Nora is like but I want to watch Chopped today (laughs) (laughs) so it's like yeah just trying to like step into the wisdom you know yes um but also if you say yes to everything you burn out but right yeah, I had time and space, and I was like, this will be fun, and I'll get to hang out with Max. Uh, but yeah, so we were some of the first murals that came up, and then it just sort of blew up from there, and we got a lot of attention from the news, and then Building 180 got, or Paint the Void Project started to get a lot of people on board, and it just has turned into a super beautiful thing. And you're still part of it, then? Still part of it, yeah. We're They're doing face masks with 
me and four other artists design on it. I've met so many artists through it. It's been like a really mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. experience. All right, so the installation. Mm-hmm. Is that you taking over a space and having 3D work, mm-hmm. painted work, mm-hmm. and really creating a, a vibe? A vibe. Lights. I have no idea like what I want to do for that. I just know I want to do it. Just a grander scale. And not flat. You know, like I want to... I have this vision of creating a space where it feels with all of your senses. That's like really what it is. is I've heard people say like the revolution is an embodied experience. Like that is so true. Like we cannot experience things just through our phone. Like we have to taste it. We have to feel it. We have to smell it like everything. So I want to be able to access all our senses more, which I don't get to do with with murals. Right. So one thing I want to do is transform a space so it feels like you're inside of a heart. Like basically find a material that's like tissue. Make it so it's like body temperature. Have like a pounding heartbeat coming from like all all the areas of the room. Have it be like soft glow, red light through whatever this tissue material is. And just have it be sort of like a womb or something like that. Stuff along those lines. (laughs) I think it would be super cool if you thought of a way where in it, like I could feel the air pressure against me Mm -hmm. as it's like, you know, so Mm -hmm. I'm feeling this. Yeah. Yeah. Very visceral, very intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe have some, like, heart chakra ceremony in there or something, you know? Just, like, you can go in a lot of directions. Right. But That's a trick. It's thinking of shadow. When you were describing your thoughts of an installation, I thought of haunted houses. Mm. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's what they've done. They've created an experience we're feeling. We're not just talking about evil and being scared and yeah. stuff. We're going into it Mm -hmm. totally and usually i don't like go for that kind of stuff but i went to universal with my son and we went through the walking dead thing Mm -hmm. scared out of my mind yeah but came out of it just laughing so hard and feeling this connection with my son like Mm -hmm. yeah see isn't that funny where it's like it's like they're so connected like laughter and fun and joy and connection and like terror you know it's like there i don't know it's like i don't even know if i know if there is duality or everything is just one you know it's like it's hard to say i think i'm leaning more towards everything is one and that oneness is what i currently would call evil or the devil and, Mm. and there's god or goddess divine Mm-hmm. But it really is one. Like you're saying, it's the cycle of death, life. Mm-hmm. And that fear and laughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what I sit and think about all day long. <laughs> For real. It's like, how many other ways can I observe this? Okay. Right. Do you ever question your observation? Like, okay, I'm seeing this. 
Mm-hmm. But how much of this is my projection? So much, right? We're just always creating stories. Right. But it's like, if we know that, and we know that that's like our greatest strength, almost, is creating these stories. Let's just create some awesome stories. Like, I'm ready for the fun, cool stories to be our government, you know, and our reality and how we move through life, you know, even just the fact that all we do is walk. It's like, okay, there's so many other cool ways to move and we just choose walking. Like what a monocrop of movement. Like, why aren't we moving different? (laughs) You're going to go skipping down the road. I do do that. I just do it just for fun. Just to like, that girl is crazy. (laughs) It's like, you don't have to do much to be super outside the box these days, you know? And that's fun to play with. Um, Have you ever received a critical response that stung? Hmm. That stung? Yeah, you, yeah. (sighs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) I forgot it. Nothing comes to mind, though? Not in my, like, recent adult life. I think I was more worried about what people thought about me when I was younger, but I don't know. Yeah. And also, I must put out there that being, like, a younger woman, you, like, don't get the same type of criticism that, like, men get or just, like, older people, you know? So, putting that caveat out there and that I'm aware of that. So, do you think as you get older, you're going to be more not susceptible, prone to... I don't know. I'm not worried about it. You know? It's like... And I think our society is changing when we're, like... I don't know. I see 70-year-olds that are, like, way more able and badass than I am all the time. And, like... Aging isn't the same thing as when my grandparents, or, like, my grandparents aren't living anymore, but wearing, like, the faux denim and, like, you know those pants? The, like, polyester pants and... Like, stretchy denim? (laughs) Yeah. Like, people are, like, holding on to their character longer, you know, rather than falling into, like, I'm an old person now. Like, now I have to be this way, Uh, you know? Yes. I think. Well, I think... I'd like to believe, at least. Yeah. I think there's been people throughout life that have shown a person could be alive. For sure. For sure. So do you listen to music when you paint? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Do you change it up? Or do you find that there's a certain genre you really like to paint? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, constantly change it up. I go through every single emotion while I'm painting, from exhaustion to, like, way too energized. To So I just, like, tune it to whatever I'm feeling, you know? So when you're exhausted, you still paint? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you find creative... Yeah, it's that, like, extra push, you know, that stretches you. And with that, it's, like, the hardest techno music. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, banging my head awake. Wake up. <laughs> right. 
So have you found that this current pandemic is testing your resolve? Hmm. No. Cool. I think I... Well, when it first started happening, I felt such relief, actually, because I experienced a lot of like climate earth anxiety and so when we're really on that hard lockdown and it's like raining and the skies are clear and like there's no cars out it was like a huge sigh of relief for me like the pandemic anxiety was way less than like my other anxiety so I was super grateful for it you know um it's gotten a little bit weirder with how politicized it is and like the storytelling element of it all is getting super strange. Um, but yeah, I've kind of just been painting all the way through. Yeah. How much time a week do you spend painting? Um, Depends on if I'm on an intense project, but which is like kind of all the time, so I guess I can't give you a number. I probably do like six hours a day, six days a week, 36 hours. Full time job. And it's a passion. 100%. Do you ever wake up where you're like, oh, I really just would love to not paint today? All the time. Ah! <laughs> and how do you deal with that? I just won't paint, maybe. Or um, I remind myself that I'm extremely lucky to be an artist. You know? That gratitude, my like gratitude practice is pretty strong. And so that really helps maintain just balance and like the ups and downs. My ups and downs get, like, less up and down, you know? So I think I think about longevity and, like, I want to be painting when I'm 90 and what will that look like? And if I have personal struggle every single day, like, getting to 90 is going to be hard. So how can I make it easy? I think even keeled is, like, the way... Do you ever question about the passion of life and ecstasy? And if it's even killed, am I sacrificing right. those highs? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Can it be like a this? <laughs> Like a really slow... <laughs> Steady climb. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. I like that one too. And that's sure, fair. of course I like have my highs and lows. I'm not saying I don't have that, but just keeping a nice baseline. Um, and yes, I would sacrifice extreme highs and lows for balance. 100%. That's sort of the way of like the Norwegians. You're Norwegian? Yeah. Of descent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
the way of the Norwegians. Yeah. <laughs> Steady as she goes. Yeah. Weren't Vikings Norwegian? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> They don't seem very steady as they go, right? I don't know. I never knew one. Neat savior. Good point. It's another story. Um, well, so you have routine in your life. Do you think that helps you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If I can, if there's just like muscle memory for a rhythm, again, I don't like the less I can think and the more I can just like automatically do, the more brain space I have. other things so yeah I have like a really solid morning rhythm of tea and being outside and just soaking up the day for like two hours and then yeah going on my merry way are you a person who uses colors right out of the tube or do you like mixing I strictly mix my colors Mm mm-hmm 100% 100% custom color mixing. <laughs> Nothing real. straight out of the tube. Zero. White and black, maybe. But even then, like, I still mix them a lot. Do you ever do uh, watercolor? I love watercolor, but I never, I've like almost never attempted watercolor. So when you say you love it, you mean you love seeing it? Mm-hmm. Lo- I love when other people do it. Are there any people right now in your life that are inspirational to you? Mm. My mom is really inspiring right now. Um, She's kind of like pulled herself out of a really challenging 10 years. I almost forgot that my mom was like a fun person. Um, so yeah, seeing her evolve as a 65 year old single woman, you know, who had five kids and was in a 40 year long marriage and like all the shit that just comes with all of that. I'm seeing her like pull out and like be happier and all these things. So she's inspiring me right now. Um... Just a lot of my friends. I feel really grateful to be surrounded by people doing things that they're passionate about. And, um, yeah, my friend Rob is, like, super inspiring to me. He, I, sometimes I'm, I'm like, Rob, you're such a guy of 2020. You know, you're like the evolved man who's touched with his, or in touch with his, like, feminine and, He's just a really good reminder of self-care and, like, staying true to to the work we're supposed to be doing. He reminds me of that, like, every day. So, yeah. All people just in my personal life. Because, again, like... Oh, and Bronte Velez. Bronte's amazing. Um, yeah. I try to keep my heroes local. Mm-hmm. No heroes from the other side right now. They're dead heroes. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. I'm sure. But no, it doesn't seem prevalent right now. Yeah. Right. 
Is there anything else you'd like to talk about or bring up? Mm. I'm happy you emailed me. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like we covered a lot of what I'm feeling and thinking about on like a daily basis. So. Mm. I have one more question then. What's up? What's the story of your tattoo? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> having a dream and in my dream it was all like black and white and I was just in this tattoo parlor that was like what three and a half by like four feet it was like basically just a chair the guy's supplies and me and him and I was getting this tattoo on my hand and I was also getting a line that like went from pinky down to pinky wow and it felt amazing. It was like orgasmic tattoo art. And I knew that the circle on my left hand was um, significant because I'm an artist and I'm left-handed. And someone in my, in my dream asked me why I was getting that tattoo. And I said duality. And then I woke up and I was like, okay. What happens when you just listen to your dreams and, like, follow the instructions that you, like, aren't really sure you should follow or not? But, like, what happens when you take that risk? And so, yeah, I got this tattoo. I did draw out the whole, like, that one to see how I felt. But I was like, let's start a little bit smaller. And I got this tattoo around my birthday a couple of years ago because I I spent a lot of time not being able to merge like my passion for art and my passion for nature and the environment and I would always go through this cycle of like is my art actually doing anything and should I go back to grad school and like focus more on you know, sustainable farming or whatever it was in my mind at the time. But this was a promise that I would always go through the lens of art. Sweet. And to just put some of those thoughts to rest. And they can maybe be like a side thing, but stick with art for the long haul. So it was like a commitment <laughs> ring. I don't know. I, I like married it. my art career yeah, that day. Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. How come two rings? Because it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> Pure aesthetic, the blue and the red, there's no meaning to that. I just was like, ah, oh, these colors are cool. All yeah. Right. All right, so stereotypical guy question. Mm -hmm. Was it an orgasmic experience? It hurt like hell. It was like a heart orgasm, wow. you know? It was like, it felt good. But like the physical, like, oh, this feels so great in my dream, you know? Yeah. But Did it hurt? It hurt, yeah. It seems like a very vulnerable place to get a mm -hmm. tattoo. Yeah, it hurt for sure. But not too much to not get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. This was great. Cool.